You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show. And I'm your host, Westlane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon, where it's another gorgeous, sunny summer day in the Pacific Northwest. Started out with that coastal layer, so we kept the temperatures down, and, and it's just gorgeous out right now. Probably should do the show outside maybe tomorrow. Uh, I'll. I'll Next week, if it's this, if it's as nice as this, gonna have to pull the laptop outside. Might have to put up with a little extra noise and stuff, you know, from you know airplanes passing overhead or traffic. But we'll get it done. But uh, yeah, it's been an eventful week and all that stuff. You know, we didn't have any board meetings, so there's not a lot of like county, you know, policy or budget or other stuff to report on this week. But so much happened, um, and so much is going on that I think we'll we'll be able to to get an hour to 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 go by pretty fast. But you know, I would rather talk about what you want to talk about. So I always ask people: if you have something on your mind that you want to talk about, a question for me, a comment, just or just a rant. Six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven. Just press one so we know you want to get it on the air because we do have lots of people that call in on their cell phones to listen to the show because they're driving home this time of day and they can't really do their computer thing. So, again, 646-721-9887. Try that one more time. 646-721-9887. Just press one and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get on the conversation. So I just want to start out and say uh, I'm feeling pretty relaxed because, you know, after um, the wife had some surgery on her foot and she finally recovered a little bit just to get away a little bit for her and, uh, you know, have a little bit of escape, we jumped in our COVID capsule, better known as our Airstream trailer, which in the day and age of COVID, there is no better way of, you know, getting away from the house, I think, than an RV. Um, you know, especially a full, fully, full hookup, full service RV, because I don't think I used a public restroom the entire trip. I brought all our food with us, so we didn't eat at restaurants. You know, about the only thing we did was stop at gas stations and stop at RV parks and hook up and unhook up at RV parks. Um, and a lot of the RV parks have gone into gone to remote uh, reservations where they actually do everything over the phone, credit cards and stuff, and they 
basically have your receipt taped up in an envelope on your space when you get there. So, um, you know, it is definitely the COVID isolation capsule, that Airstream trailer, <laughs> where we get to basically at least see a little bit of different view and get away a little bit, um, you know, which is just a nice thing to do. And getting down to the Redwoods in California, you know, I, you want to kind of feel small and insignificant. Stand next to a tree that's got a 20-foot diameter, you know, and it's 300 feet tall. Um, and in a forest of trees where the smallest one might be six foot in diameter, uh, it, it's a pretty neat place. Always have loved the Redwoods. It's a great place to go and just kind of get away. So we took a, took a trip down there with, with, with the poodle dogs and uh, had, had a nice time just getting away. Wasn't completely, you know, uh, uh, a vacation because I have a Justice Reinvestment Grant Review Committee meeting tomorrow that's scheduled all day where I had um, basically uh, six proposals of at least 30 pages each that I had to read in preparation for that meeting. So I basically had a book's worth of reading to do over the weekend related to my county commissioner stuff, along with other various items I try and keep up on. So, you know, may, may have been a getaway and a change of scenery, but it wasn't necessarily checking out and not doing any work. Uh, there was um, campsites that didn't have any cell service, but they had internet. So I was always connected uh, and was able to do email, et cetera, but not necessarily reachable by phone. Um, but that was a lot of fun. I want to spend a minute for a public service announcement here. Um, I was made aware over the weekend by a friend of mine that there is a critical blood shortage here in Lane County. And it's actually kind of happening nationwide to some degree due to COVID. If you are an eligible donor and have donated in the past and maybe you've stopped donating or whatever, you can get in and donate. Um, and they have, you know, just like everything else, they've changed their procedures to make it COVID safe. Um, and uh, I think it's really a, a good thing uh, for folks to do is get in and, and, and donate blood right now uh, so that we don't have a problem, you know, if we, if we have the, uh, the big blast that, that they had in Beirut, Lebanon or something, which sounds like it was accidental from the news reports. It was a warehouse full of ammonium nitrate fertilizer that went up due to an accidental fire in a firework storage container nearby, which why in the world you stored fireworks near ammonium nitrate, I'll never know. Um, but, uh, you know, that horrible uh, incident there uh, sent 4,000 people to the hospital. So, you know, you can imagine the blood shortages there. Um, you know, something much more minor right now. We are in such critical need um, that, you know, if we get much lower, they're going to have to start canceling um, optional surgeries, et cetera. So folks need to get out and donate blood if you can. Lane Blood Center, um, you know, the, the easiest way to go. Um, if you're outside of Lane County, you know, your local Red Cross centers usually will hook you up with a place to donate. Um, but something you can do for your community um, while staying COVID safe 
and um, you know, with all a lot of other volunteer opportunities uh, unavailable to folks, if you're looking for a way to serve your community, donating blood is a great way to serve your community. So, like I said, on this trip, I still had internet, which led to my rant for the day. I spent a significant well, I still I spend a significant amount of my time on social media. Um, it's one of the ways folks communicate with me, and it's one of the ways I like to communicate information back out to communities. In fact, I just spent some time a few minutes ago sending out some information from ODOT uh, to several community pages about some paving projects that are going to be causing delays in, over the next month. Uh, that's you know, When I get information, I like to put it out through social media a lot of times because um, not everybody sees everything that comes to a county commissioner. Likewise, people will contact me. But, you know, I have noticed a preponderance of something happening over the last couple of weeks that I just is driving me crazy. People have got to start fact-checking stuff before they hit the share button. Oh, my gosh. The, the, the worst case finally came up about a week and a half ago where this meme was being sent around by people that was an obvious photoshopped picture, President Obama putting the Medal of Freedom, Presidential Medal of Freedom around somebody's neck where the face had been obviously photoshopped and pasted in a face of Jeffrey Epstein. And the, the text on this said, on this day, in 2007, President Obama gave Jeffrey Epstein the Medal of Freedom. Now, the first hint should have been just how poorly photoshopped the face was. You know, just quick look at the photo. It's like that. You can see where they, the edges where they photoshopped the face in. Yeah. Beyond that, the second thing should have been in 2007. Anyone you know, has a little bit of thought process knows that, you know, President Trump won in 2016, right? And that was the end of Obama's second term. So when did he come into office and who was president in 2007? It wasn't President Obama, was it? <laughs> George W. Bush. So not only in the in the text they were just begging you to know that it was a it wasn't real. You know, in two thousand on this day in two thousand seven. And of course you're seeing this thing over and over over several days. So on this day, what day? You know, in two thousand seven. It didn't even give a date. Um, so not only that, how easy would it be just to Google real quick? Did Jeffrey Epstein ever get the Medal of Freedom? No. <laughs> Comes up no immediately. But the real hint should have been down in the lower left-hand corner of this meme was the you know the author of the meme. You know how they do that sometimes and you know identify a website or something like that. And down in the left-hand corner is you know in bold type there bustatroll.com. 
they knew people were going to be spreading that, you know, and, and they're basically busting you for spreading it because they knew it was false. Whoever put that up, it was a setup. It's like, come on, people, you're making yourself look bad by posting stuff that is just patently false and so easily fact-checked to the point where they are actually mocking you in that line down there, bustatroll.com. And that's not the only one I've seen. And I've seen them on, you know, I've seen both, you know, conservative people send stuff around about liberal people that are patently false and the other direction. And it's like, before you hit share, Google that. Did so-and-so get the Presidential Medal of Freedom? You know, Obama gives Jeffrey Epstein or do something, and you'll quickly find out how false some of this stuff is. You could have just Googled, when did President Obama serve his term of office? (laughs) And you know he wasn't president at the time that meme was telling you he gave out that award. It's just, you please do some fact-checking. There was one going around just this week talking how you could make hydroxychloroquine at home (laughs) because it's related to quinine, which is in tonic water. And somehow or another, you're going to be able to convert tonic water to hydroxychloroquine. It's like, no. And it it basically said they're the same thing. They equal each other. So somehow or another, drinking gin and tonics is going to cure COVID-19. Um, but, you know, quick, put in Google, hydroxychloroquine and quinine, and you can get about 10 different articles that says they're not the same and that you can't make hydroxychloroquine at home. <laughs> it's like so simple. Ten, 10 seconds worth of effort before you hit that share button just to make sure you're not making a fool out of yourself and being baited. They actually have people purposely writing these false memes and putting them out there, sometimes under obvious things like bust a troll, sometimes under less obvious ones that look like they're conservative organizations and not, or look like they're left-wing organizations and not. And they're purely intended to get people to look bad for sharing bad information. So don't be one of those people that gets fooled. You know, fact check a little bit before you share something. You know, it's just it's amazing what people are sharing nowadays. And there was one that was also going around that starts out with, I haven't fact checked this yet, but did you know Dr. Fauci used to be the CEO of this and blah, 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 and was trying to connect the vaccine up with Dr. Fauci summit. And, and and basically said he went to Cornell with, um, uh, um, oh, God. Now, name needs you right now, Microsoft, you know, guy, you know, you know who I'm talking about. Um, and, and he never went to Cornell, went to Harvard. You know, it's like an easily checked thing. Just Google some of the stuff that's in these in these things. Don't share it, especially when it starts out with, I haven't fact checked this as the, as, you know, don't copy and paste that stuff on your, on your timeline. Don't share it. Check it. My gosh. Then the second thing I, that is driving me crazy about social media right now 
is messenger, private, you know, PM. That's why it's called, you know, PM personal messages. You know, when they say PM me. Messenger is meant to have conversations privately between two people. Or maybe a small group of people, although I hate group messengers almost as bad as I hate what people do with messenger now, which is send out videos to everyone on their list saying, make this video go viral. It's like, post it on your page. You know, don't send it to me in a message. I don't have time to watch every freaking video somebody wants to share that way. And I'm tired of getting copy and paste messages about the 28th Amendment. You know, or whatever thing that you're going to copy and paste and message me. If you want to send me a video that you think I really need to watch, take the time to write me a message ahead of it explaining why it's important for me to watch that video. If you can't take the time to do that, I'm deleting it. And if you send me more than two or three, I'm, do I'm blocking you on Messenger. I'm tired of it. I get 20 to 30 messages a day that are nothing but a video link or a link to a website or a copy and paste message. You know, share this, make it go viral. It's like, no. One, I'm not going to read through that trash and, and, or watch the video. You know, it was, you know, frankly, I have trouble watching more than a 10 or 15 second pet video and having the time to do stuff like that. I rarely watch videos online. I've got too much reading I have to do and other things I have to do. So if you want me to watch a video, you better have at least a one paragraph explanation of why I should take the time that the video is. And by the longer the video is, the less chance is I'll ever watch it. So I have had people send me 60 minute videos that I'm supposed to watch. <laughs> Not happening. Unless you have a darn good reason for me to watch it. Like I did watch Seattle is Dying. Because I got, there was, people explained why it was so important to watch that video. And in fact, I encouraged other people to watch Seattle is Dying. But, you, you know, don't use Messenger to blanket people's inboxes. If you're somebody that I went to high school with that I haven't seen in years and you want to try and reconnect, messenger. You know, if you're a constituent that's having a problem with a neighbor and you don't know how to get a hold of me by email or by phoning into the county or about 10 other different ways, messenger works for that too. But when everybody's cluttering up my messenger box with videos, links, and copy and paste trash, you know, I don't need to know about don't accept a friend request from so-and-so that you'll get a virus, which is, you know, another piece of trolling that people do out there to make you keep sharing that because it sounds like it's really important. Um, don't do it because I'll miss that message from a constituent that really needs help buried in all the damn videos people send. So those are my social media rants for the day. Fact check stuff before you share it. Don't use Messenger for anything other than conversations. Unless there's unless that video is part of the conversation and you're willing to have a conversation with me about why it's important I watch that. And then hopefully after I watch it we can have a further conversation. But just 
the unsolicited videos, links to websites, you know, copy and paste, you know, diatribes that are pages long to scroll through, like the 28th Amendment one that's gone around the internet for years. I don't know why people are continuing to send that one out. It'll never happen. Um, so just, I'm done. Rant's over. Although uh, I know that uh, Robin had her own rant for the day, but I think she might have calmed down from it about farm equipment on highways. <laughs> Did you want to rant a little, Robin? <laughs> no, it's understandable. It's just uh, kind of a little surprise when you come around the corner at 55 miles an hour and go, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And I was, as I was saying to Robin, we should never drive faster than our sight distance. Because you never know if you come around the corner and there's going to be stop traffic for some stupid reason. Or if you're out on a country road that a tree hasn't fallen across the road or there's a deer standing there. Or worse yet, an elk or cow. Something that will destroy your car. Yeah, I had that happen one time when I was driving a semi. Come around the corner on uh, I-5 and everybody stopped. Yeah, there's a little bit of smoke from the tires on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, but to get on more serious topics, you know, because we've talked about my, you know, COVID capsule escape and we've talked about donating blood and social media. Now let's get serious and talk about something that's, that's happening today that I'm sure is going to probably make news tomorrow and, and the rest. Of the, in fact, it'll probably be on the evening news tonight and this may create a reaction here in town and, and around Blaine County um, that may be negative. Um, so everybody might be aware of uh, the intro. <laughs> no, we don't need an intro for this one because this isn't, you know, with okay. this, it, is, it is breaking news because the, the, the uh, press conference was at 3.30. I got a heads up to it and got the press release around 2.30. Um, but the grand jury has come out on that case involving um, the vehicle that hit the black unity leader, Isaiah Wagner, at the children's protest down there in, in, in the Whitaker neighborhood. Um, and the grand jury has come out and issued a no true bill uh, finding on all charges. Now, to translate that legal jargon speak, basically means they found there was insufficient evidence to charge on any of the charges in this case, which I know is probably not going to satisfy some of the folks in the uh, protest community because they were calling, they were calling for him to be charged immediately and, and all sorts of stuff. Um, but it was a very thorough uh, investigation and, you know, I, I just um, hope people will remain calm and read the actual press release um, and information around that. Uh, in fact, I, if I get a chance, I will forward it. Um, I, I'll actually put it up on, on the KRBN in, in, uh, internet radio website and my own somewhat so people can read it. But they did an exhaustive investigation, including, you know, 3D scan of the scene and re reconstruction and, and 
collecting all the surveillance videos and photographs of the incident and drone footage of the intersection, uh, time and distance calculations and studies and experiments and collecting uh, you know, medical records and everything else that was going on. They had um, 13 civilian witnesses to the incident testified, um, including the, the Isaiah Wagner and um, uh, several uh, adults that were part of the group of demonstrators um, that were that purported to have a clear view of the incident. Um, and and uh, several of the witnesses were people actually in leadership roles in the Black Unity um, organization uh, that testified to the grand jury. They, um, you know, got to see everything from the Facebook Live video that was recorded at the at the uh, driver's apartment, and um, they, you know, got to see the airbag control module evidence from the vehicle. You know, all sorts of technical data was provided, all sorts of witness testimony, all sorts of, you know, um, video that was available was provided to the grand jury. And they started their proceedings on July 24th. So this is August 5th, and they're now issuing their, their issued their findings. Um, so it wasn't like it was a fast um, and undeliberative process, but they've chosen, they were given the option of charging with everything from attempted murder in the second degree was the, the most severe charge, assault in the second degree, assault third degree, assault fourth degree, failure to perform the duties of a driver, reckless driving and reckless endangering of another person, person on all of those charges, they found no true bill. And um, that means that, that the driver will not be charged. So um, I'm just hoping folks can kind of read through uh, the whole description of how the um, incident happened um, and you know, what, you know, the, the driver was trying to uh, avoid the protest. Um, and it actually, the protest had entered a, a, a roundabout from one direction. So he chose to actually, because he was going to make, go the three quarters away around the roundabout, make a left turn. He actually chose to illegally cut the quarter portion to the left to not, you know, interact with that. Um, and somehow or another had this, accident with Mr. Wagner, who was providing some traffic control or safety uh, monitoring of the protest. Um, and it was basically his mirror that, that clipped Mr. Wagner. It was not hit by the front bumper uh, uh, um, and, and knocked down, so to speak. Or So um, it wasn't, it was, uh, I, I believe that um, you know, the grand jury saw all the evidence and chose not to charge. I'm hoping cooler heads will prevail, but I'm concerned that this finding will lead to, you know, a, an excuse for violence, that some of the folks that have been co-opting, and I talked about this last week, uh, um, where I felt like some there are certain elements that keep co-opting Black Unity's protests. I wish they um, wouldn't do that because for the most part, Black Unity's managed to um, run very peaceful, successful protests. Um, 
and, and civil disobedience that has stayed away from the criminal side um, of of um, work. Sorry, I just saw a flag headline. It looks like we're not going to have any fall sports in in uh, high schools this this year. They just announced they're moving them to March. So there's another breaking headline. But um, you know, I'm just hoping that cooler heads will prevail. It'll be interesting to hear what um, uh, Mr. Wagner has to say if he issues any sort of statement. Um, I hope he calls for calm. But you know, this the system has done what it's supposed to do, where, you know, intensive investigation's been done, evidence turned over to a grand jury of citizens of Eugene, of Eugene and Lane County. Um, and that grand jury has found there wasn't sufficient evidence to charge and issued that no bill, no true bill findings. Um, <clears throat> even on something as simple as um, reckless driving, um, which is, Kind of interesting, um, you know. So, you, you, you know, despite the fact that he's making an illegal left turn the way he did it, so um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how how things react to that. But that's on a more serious note. You know, we'll have to see how the community reacts, uh, see how it's reported, see whether they report the full thing. I will put this uh, press release from. Uh, the district attorney's office um, up on our site right after the program. Um, in fact, if I, if I can, I'm going to try and get it to uh, Robin maybe even during the show. So um, just have to hit a couple buttons here. Let's see if you come up, Robin. There we go. It's on its way to you, Robin. So you can put that up on on the site if you can. <clears throat> I think I blocked you because I was getting too many messages. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is an email, not messenger. For and it's doing what you're. I'm forwarding you a written document, which is an intended purpose of emails. Uh, so, um, but you know that. That's something on a more serious note. Also on a more serious note, I wanted to talk a little bit about mail-in elections as they seem to have been big in the news just because, you know, a presidential tweet with three question marks behind it, not saying that he was going to delay the elections or was even asking to. It was kind of like, should we delay the elections? But, you know, that was, that generated all sorts of, uh, hoopla in the press and reaction from everybody that, you know, president doesn't have power to do that. He didn't say he did. <laughs> he asked the question whether we should, but which I don't think we should, because I think we can still manage to get them run uh, efficiently. But the things we have to do is we have to approve upon the mistakes that were made in some of the pri primaries. And in particular, New York, completely botched two congressional primary elections where they still don't know who won six weeks later because they chose to use postmarks as when a ballot was valid or not. Oregon doesn't do that. That's why our system works. <laughs> Your ballot has to be in the elections 
ballot box or been received by elections by the close of the election date. You know, and and, and postmarks don't count. They tell you either if you're going to mail it, you got to mail it like days early. And if you once you get past a certain date, they, they can't guarantee that it will get there. You need to go to a, a drop box, which they provide to grab, you know, the, the counties and 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 drop your ballot off in person. That is the correct way to do it. Postmarks will never guarantee valid elections because there will always be a question about, well, I put it in the post office box, you know, the day before the election, and the postmark was three days after the election. I don't know what happened. I'm challenging, you know, why, why wasn't my vote counted, you know? And, and in the case of New York, apparently the post office postmark machine didn't bear down enough or something, and they couldn't read the postmarks. Thousands of ballots don't have a postmark on them that, that actually went through the mail and received by the elections departments, but they had no postmark. Do they count? Do they not count? Yeah. They just did not think ahead of time well enough. So New York, look what Oregon's done. And, you know, I, I usually don't hold up Oregon's mail-in voting as the model, but if you're going to do it, at least do it in a way that you can clearly determine a valid ballot or not. Second, there has to be a way of checking to make sure the ballot came back from the person it was mailed to. Because what they're doing in a lot of states is they're mailing the ballots out to the address of the registered voters, but there's no way upon receipt to know that the person that filled out the ballot was the person that was mailed to. So, you know, John Smith moves from the state of Oregon to Washington state a month before an election, gets mailed a ballot, Joe Blow gets that ballot and thinks, ah, now I can vote twice, you know, and fills out the ballot. But in Oregon, he's got to sign that envelope. And there's that signature is kept on record. When it comes into the elections division, they, they compare the, the signatures. And if they don't match, they'll send a notice back to the voter saying, your signature didn't match. You know, can you either come down and, and re-register and, and demonstrate your, who you are and that your signature has changed or you know, we're not going to count this vote. And believe me, there's lots of votes that get thrown out that way because one of the things that happened um, back about 2015, no, I think it was 2013, they changed the laws in Oregon where post-election, they send, you can get that report of whose ballots didn't get counted as a candidate and go around and try and chase people down to get their ballots perfected, which I had to do because I was in a very close election in 2014. And believe it or not, a lot of the people I called about the fact that the signatures didn't match had to embarrassingly admit to me that, oh, well, I grabbed our ballots and realized my wife hadn't signed hers, so I signed for her or vice versa. (laughs) And they couldn't, you know, they would have to admit to the felony of signing somebody else's ballot to perfect that ballot. So they basically 
that ballot didn't get counted. And they, they wouldn't they wouldn't deal with it, didn't want to deal with it. So um but in some states they're just mailing them to the and, and you know, people die, so they get show up to houses where the person's dead, people move, you know, all sorts of things. So people end up with extra ballots. And if there's not a way to determine that ballot came back from a person it was mailed to, that, that's a, a legally registered voter, and that they're only voting once, that there's some way of checking off that that person's ballot was turned in, um, that's not a secure system. So that's the second piece they have to get in place for a mail-in election this November. They've got to get a way of checking signatures, and they've got to get a, a, you know that that non-postmark. You know that will at least make the election a little bit more secure, and 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 be able to actually count ballots that night and determine the the election results within a day or two. Now, the part that we don't do well here in Oregon that I'd like to see us improve in Oregon is we need to do better job on the registration end. Our registration is not a very secure system. Basically, if you sign that card that says there's a $10,000 fine for, for fraud, fraudulently registering, they accept your registration with very little proof of, of who you are, where you live, and all, all that stuff. Um, and that part I don't really think is, is a good part. And, and the motor voter law now that registers automatically people that get a driver's license is also fraught with issues. So um, that that's the piece where we need to improve Oregon system is on the front end of who gets on the voter registration rolls needs to be secure too and make sure that, that people aren't falsifying information and and registering multiple times or registering fictional people so you know they have a signature on record they can match and everything else so they can vote that fictional person's ballot it's the one thing we should try and improve here the other part of mail-in voting that i particularly don't like is the piece about there's no way to avoid undue influence on somebody casting their ballot and by this you know if you remember the old polling place elections, if you're an Oregon person, but you probably, if you're listening to this from outside of Oregon and still do polling place elections, you know this. There was a rule you couldn't, you know, carry a sign or banner or try and sway people's votes within so many feet of a polling place. Usually it was like a thousand feet because they didn't want anyone electioneering close to the polling place and intimidating people. In, in, and pressuring people about voting. The idea was you walk into that voting polling place, you get a, a booth by yourself where no one's in that booth with you that is influencing how you vote. Now, mail-in voting, they come to the mailbox, you know, dad collects the mail, you know, on, when he pulls up on his way home from work, oh, there's the ballots for my wife my my son that's over 18 and myself, I'll get everybody to sit around the kitchen table. We'll fill out our ballots together. Do you think there's any undue influence that might happen in those kinds of situations? You know, 
if if there's a situation where there's a dominant abusive person in the household, you don't think that person's actually voting every ballot that comes to that household. You know, that's the one thing that, you know, there's electioneering happens right there around the kitchen table. And worse yet, there's this thing that happens in Oregon with our mail-in system called ballot harvesting, which is legal. And, you know, a lot, there are groups that do it where they go to nursing homes and other places where people can't really get out and drop off their ballots or whatever. And they, they come around and help people fill out their ballots. You know, some of these folks, you know, have vision issues or can't read or, you know, you know, so they help people fill out their ballots, collect the ballots, and then deliver them to the elections department. Now, if you collect ballots and you don't deliver them, there's a huge fine for doing so, but how would anyone ever know? You know, it's, a, you know, some senior, um, gonna, gonna, you know, that contact that, you know, know that his ballot wasn't cast, Um so it's just um, there are places in the mail-in system that aren't perfect, just as there are places in the polling place system that aren't absolutely perfect. It can be done well. I think it just in Oregon, we've got a good system of how we actually close the election and determine a valid ballot by time and how we check to make sure the ballot came back from the person it's mailed to. The one thing we don't do a good job is maybe front end. Um, the other thing I think we need to probably start doing in Oregon is providing places where people can can maybe come and get a replacement ballot and fill it out in private where they don't have the influence of a family member. You know, but even then, how do you tell your spouse you've already voted when they when he has a hold of your, your ballot? So it's just yeah. There's still issues with mail in voting, but I think we could do it better. I think we could have the system ready by November, but we have got to get away from postmarks and we've got to make sure there's some kind of signature check or something to make sure that that ballot that comes back in actually came from the registered voter it was mailed to and that the registered voters aren't, ma- aren't voting more than once. So um, that's my thoughts on mail-in elections. So I'm going to pause because I've thrown a whole lot out there for folks to comment on. And I have a you know a couple more things I can throw out there. But, you know, I, I like to talk to people. The way you talk to me on this show is to call during the live portion of it, 646-721-9887. And just press 1 if you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Press one, and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get on a conversation here on the Bose Nose Show with me, your host, Westland County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And, uh, you know, we'll have a conversation because I'm curious what some people think about the grand jury's decision not to charge the driver. Uh, you know, anyone else got a rant about social media? Uh, Anyone else got suggestions for how to entertain yourself safely during COVID-19? Like I have my COVID capsule. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts about mail-in elections? You know, you know, do you think they can be done well, safely and securely without a lot of fraud? So, and just a reminder, don't forget, 
one community service you can still do during COVID-19 is donate blood. And we have a big blood shortage going on in our county and even across most of the U.S. So I want to jump into another topic here, and that's the special session coming up. Um, you know, the, they, uh, they're calling another special session. And the first one they called, we all thought it was going to be to kind of do some, you know, reordering of budgets and reallocating some of the, the federal funds that came in on COVID and um, trying to get some emergency funds out there to deal with the COVID-19 and, and maybe any other COVID-related um, uh, stuff. And they basically spent the special session dealing with um, or trying to deal with policy on public safety uh, issues. And it was just somewhat disappointing. Finally, they're calling another special session. And there's a big argument now going on between the governor and the Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate about what the special session should cover. And I'm with the President of the Senate. We should be covering the budget, budget, and budget. We had a billion-dollar hole plus to fill in the state budget for this biennium, the remainder of this biennium. How we do that and, and doing that in a thoughtful way where we're getting good input from the public and, the, and the, whoever has interest in some of these budget cuts is going to take a lot of time. And to try and handle something like, you know, what kind of uniforms police can wear, which was one of the policy measures they were talking about. Do that next spring in the regular session. That's what those sessions are made for. And, and all the, the legislative days that lead up to a regular session. You know, that's when you do policy. This should be about the budget. That's why you call a special session based on some emergency need, usually. Something that's time sensitive. You know, policies, you know, around police uniforms can wait till the spring. You know, that, that just, it's not time sensitive. So, just wanted to uh, relay my support for Peter Courtney to stay focused on the budget because we're going to have a lot to talk about with that. They talk about closing the Shutter Creek prison down in Coos County, which is a major employer in a really depressed area of Oregon, you know, that's already seen less jobs. You know, this, this gets back to my rant somewhat from last week where I was talking about how the federal money is being distributed in Oregon and how, you know, Multnomah County, Washington County, and the city of Portland got direct federal money no strings attached and the rest of the state is having to come hat in hand to the governor's office basically and ask for our, our federal money and we're being told we have to uh, enter into contracts and and memorandums of understanding and grant you know type contracts to get our money and provide all this accounting and i'm actually hearing from other agencies and all that, that the state is out there auditing the use of these funds, these federal emergency COVID funds, 
by by rural counties, yet they'll let something like unemployment people go 12 years without fixing their computer systems. But they're worried about how Coos County is spending their COVID-19 emergency funds, and they're and they're asking for audit information on that. You know, I, it it's you know. So close down the rural facilities. You know, I wonder how many closures are being proposed in the Portland metro area. Um, it just seems like there's this, you know, one set of things. Uh, I, I'm, I'm I really stay focused on the budget, folks. Let's talk about not making what's already hurt rural Oregon. I mean, you, you've already basically a lot of people from the Portland metro area are telling rural Oregon. We want you to be our tourism playground for the Portland metro area, the rest of the state, because we don't want you to cut down trees. We don't want you to have a natural gas terminal. We don't want you to do any sort of mining. We don't want you, you know, to have any sort of ranching out in eastern Oregon. Um, you know, you, you keep shutting down the rural economies and saying, oh, but you can you know, now that you're not logging that forest, you can bring ecotourism there. Well, what do you think COVID-19 done to our tourism economy out here in rural Oregon? And yet, you're going to withhold tour the, the COVID-19 emergency funds and put strings on it for rural communities that you're not putting on for the metro? Who do you think has been hurt worse economically? Portland? or, you know, Coquille down in Coos County. You know, it, it's just incredible that, you know, the, these bureaucrats just don't seem to understand that. And I'm really hoping when we get into that budget session that there's a strong enough voice from outside the Portland Metro to make sure that the budget cuts, when they do happen to balance this budget, disproportionately are punished rural Oregon that's already been disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. So just another little Bozovich rant there, but you know, you know, I'll be paying attention to that and I'll be particularly paying attention to what they do to public safety dollars, whether that's cutting back on prisons, which means they're going to be releasing prisoners back into local communities at a time when we've had to reduce our post-prison housing facilities to get, you know, you know, to get safe with COVID, we've had to basically go to 50% capacity on a lot of our housing facilities, and we've had to reduce our ability to sanction people in our jail because we've reduced our jail capacity by almost half. So we're, we can't just, you know, if somebody violates their probation, we can't you know, bring them into jail for a couple nights because we just don't have the space. And yet the proposal to balance the budget is let's throw more people out in these communities that, that have lost the capacity to deal with these folks and to have them safely transition back into the community. So, and, and, it, and it's setting those people up be unsuccessful in their transition back to civilian life by releasing them early into a community that's unprepared to help them. So 
I, I'll be there, you know, fighting the battles on the public safety side. I'm, I'm the co-chair of the Association of Oregon County's um, Public Safety Committee, and I am committed to try and protect public safety budgets uh, as we move through this COVID-19 budget cuts. Um, so we will uh, we'll see how things things work out. Um, but that'll be interesting. Something to talk about maybe in a future Bose No Show. So I didn't warn um, my uh, producer here, but I'm getting ready to do a traffic report. So a couple second warning here. Don't know if you can hit the button, find it quick enough. But like I said, one of the things I like to do with, with social media and the Bose No Show even is to kind of pass along information that I get as an elected official as courtesy notifications from various agencies. And I get everything from ODOT notifications to city of Eugene stuff to um, even federal and, and state um, information you know, that passes to me all the time. And one of those things that I've gotten recently is a notice about a bunch of paving that's going to happen in Lane County in, during the month of August. So starting with um, Delta Highway and Beltline, they're going to be doing some paving there between uh, on Delta Highway between I-105 and Good Pasture Island Road beginning on August 16th on the eastbound I-105 ramp to Delta Highway. And they're going to be doing this every night through the week, uh, you know, from 8 to 5.30 a.m. But you can really expect um, detours and uh, other issues and single lane closures uh, through the work zone. Um, then Beltline, you know, so, you know, some people use Delta Highway, but Beltline down around by Roosevelt Boulevard um, is going to be paved on the next week of August 24th, uh, and that's going to be at night also, but that'll be down to single lane traffic, and they expect delays up to 20 minutes. So um, that's a pretty significant delay. But that's nighttime, though. It's night work, but that's pretty pretty big delay. Um, and they're also going to do the ramps on, on Highway 99 and Northwest Expressway off the Beltline. So just beware. Um, that that western side of Beltline is going to be a mess late late August. Um, then they're going to continue to be doing more Beltline Delta interchange project work right there at the, at the intersection. And of course, I-105 um, continues on its bridge work there, and there's going to be more um, work being done there. And to complete the traffic report, Highway 58 is going to have some paving projects this summer. I know that you know that's kind of on, on the east side of the county, but a lot of people use 58 to get over the hill, and they're going to be paving between Goshen and Pleasant Hill, starting around the 15th of uh, you know 14th 15th of August through the end of September. And paving will be Sunday through Thursday nights, and um, they're going to um, be doing. Uh, a lot of flagging and pilot car work, and they're saying expect 20-minute delays there. So planning to get away to the hills, you might want to think about a daytime trip. 
rather than leaving in the evening um, or night uh, towards Highway 50, going out 58. So that's the traffic report. Now, I did share that out to a couple uh, pages, uh, uh, like the uh, um, Highway 126 watch page and Pineda Community, Community Network and the River Road Santa Clara chat page. Um, but you know, if you, if you need that repeated or anything like that, or if you just want to, you can go to the ODOT site and find a lot of that information in their construction update stuff. So, um, well, since we have the Caribbean traffic report, what's the weather? What's the weather? The weather's gorgeous. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward to wrapping the program up and going out and feeding the dogs out on the patio instead of inside and having an adult beverage and, uh, you know, maybe throwing a steak on the grill. Sounds like I'm going back to um, what you were saying earlier about what's on the internet. Does that mean that the earth is not flat? Yeah. Yeah. The earth is not flat, but it's on the internet. Please don't share that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I think we're just about wrapping it up with the Bose Nose Show here. Um, I appreciate people that, that tune in and listen. I do hear from people that have listened to the show. I hope sometimes I can put something educational out there. I'm hoping uh, that information about the grand jury findings um, will be informational. Were you able to get that up on the uh, Caribbean Internet News Talk Radio Facebook page? Uh, what you sent me was a document, but I found almost identical from one of the uh, news services, and I posted that. Good, good. They probably just copied and pasted it into their um, Pretty much. <laughs> site. Good. Um, yeah, because that's, uh, that's going to be a big story tonight and could lead to some interesting reactions um, from, you know, the folks that were in that protest movement. Um, because if you read the actual investigation work, they were ready to uh, burst into this guy's apartment and drag him out of it. The police had to clear the uh, the landing. You know, you know, it's one of those outside entrance sort of steps up apart. You know, garden style apartments, and uh, the people were banging on his doors, banging on his window panes, um, and you know. Yeah, I kind of wonder why I called 911. <laughs> you think? You think? You kind of wonder why he drove away. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for listening to another edition of Bo's Nose Show. We'll be back next week, maybe with a little bit more information about that um, special session, because i got a meeting coming up Friday with uh, the AOC folks, where we'll probably be learning more of what's being proposed as a way of budget cuts. And... Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with this grand jury decision, too. So we'll probably have more to talk about. Remember to donate blood. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next week.